At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly, and Richmond Graduate University can equip you with everything you need as a licensed professional counselor while integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. That's R-I-C-H-M-O-N-T dot E-D-U. It is Friday, September the 15th, 2023, and it's The Brief from WABE. I'm Jim Burris. A Georgia commission has decided not to suspend Republican state Senator Sean Still, who is one of the 19 people indicted for his role in appearing on a 2020 Electoral College slate showing then-President Donald Trump had won. Attorney General Chris Carr, Senate Majority Leader Steve Gooch, and House Majority Leader Chuck Efstration recommended that Governor Brian Kemp not punish the first-term senator. Still represents parts of northern Fulton, northern Gwinnett, and southern Forsyth counties. Cobb County Superintendent Chris Ragsdale is defending the district's decision to remove books considered sexually explicit and inappropriate for students and to fire a teacher for reading a book about gender identity to her fifth-grade classroom. Ragsdale talked about the board's decision to fire Katie Renderly at last night's Board of Education meeting. In a district with over 19,000 employees... We do have occasionally one or two people who assert they know better than the elected board, the district's administrators, and parents, and may act on their own judgment rather than following clear policy. Fortunately, they seldom remain with us. Ragsdale called Render Lee's decision to read the book an act of, quote, insubordination. Recent North Cobb High School grad Beth Hudson spoke during the public comment period and said she's worried about her old teachers being under attack. I urge you to ensure job security for all teachers so they're able to teach students valuable lessons of respect, empathy, and self-worth and kindness. Literature makes the world a better place. We should not allow fear to dictate what we teach our children. Thank you. A number of students walked to the podium wearing Replace Ragsdale shirts. The next board meeting and public comment session is scheduled for Thursday, October the 19th. Well, the National Weather Service in Peachtree City says scattered thunderstorms will continue hitting the metro area all weekend, and they're capable of producing gusty winds, lightning, and even more flooding potentially. Parts of Atlanta are still trying to recover from heavy rain that caused flooding on Thursday. WABE's Julian Virgin has more. Students at Clark Atlanta University saw water gushing inside and outside of their dorm rooms following the torrential downpour. It was definitely disappointing, I guess, to kind of wake up to this. Trey Weather is a sophomore at CAU. His 2013 Honda Civic was completely flooded with muddy, dark orange water. That's what happens with natural disasters, I guess. Weather says his car was facing an entirely different direction after powerful flooding lifted it and turned it around. Now, ahead of midterms, he's missing class, figuring out how to get his immobile car out the middle of the road. In a statement, Atlanta's Department of Watershed Management said they are implementing specific projects as solutions to reduce flooding and enhance protection against extreme weather conditions. 
Meanwhile, weather suggests. If you're on a low area or at the bottom of the hill, you know, more than likely move it. Even if you got to pay for parking, just, you know, make sure your personal property is taken care of because the elements will not spare you. Several other areas saw significant flooding in parts of Atlanta, including the Georgia Aquarium. Julian Virgin, WABE News. This is the American Red Cross has seen a massive increase in the number of extreme storm-related disasters it's responded to in the past decade. In fact, it's doubled. Trevor Riggin is president of Humanitarian Services at the American Red Cross. And when, he sp- when we spoke recently, he said the fact that there have been $23 billion storms in just the first six months of the year says quite a bit. We're still preparing for more this year. We have teams and resources being prepositioned ahead of Hurricane Lee with potential impact in New England. So the Red Cross is working hard and fast to make sure we can build up the capacity and the readiness to change the outcomes for them moving forward. What does that buildup look like? So over the next several years, the Red Cross needs to spend at least $1 billion. We're adding programs, additional levels of financial assistance, better tools and technology, more equitable programs so that those that need the help most get the help first. Internationally, we're shifting our focus to really focus on climate programming, including urban areas with high heat, but also institutionalizing disaster preparedness in key markets. And finally, we, we're, we're doing our own part. We have to minimize our own impact on the planet, and we're doing so by slashing emissions, cutting waste, and lowering water usage all across the Red Cross. Is this the first time that the Red Cross has kind of changed its um, how it's approached disaster given climate change? So it is the most expansive. But the new part of this, the really exciting part, is the hyperlocal part. Really engaging hyperlocally in communities with those key partners that are focused on areas like health, hunger, and housing, helping them build capacity for those frontline communities to make sure that when disasters do strike, and they will, they have the capacity and the readiness to be engaged in their response and help families move forward in the recovery. You've seen lots of this devastation firsthand. What's it like to be on the ground? Uh, in many cases, it's devastating. And sadly, the climate crisis is taking a much heavier toll on those frontline communities. So these are communities that, you know, they're in the midst of these disasters. They're happening more frequently. These families are having repetitive loss. I met a woman last year in a hurricane that lost her home three times in the last 15 years. And they're more intense. The rainfall totals, the wind speed, all of those are becoming more and more intense. But the other side of that are the chronic social issues these very same families are facing every day food insecurity, access to health care, and housing affordability make recovery from these disasters even more challenging. And so that's why it's really important that we're, we work together so that when the disaster strikes, there is an opportunity to recover and move forward. So based on what you've seen after a disaster, how would you rate um, various effectiveness at being prepared to handle the aftermath? One of the real challenges of the climate crisis, these disasters are happening in places where they don't have disasters happening regularly, but now they're facing these extreme weather events that they hadn't always planned for. And we need to work together to make sure they build up that same level of capacity and readiness that families along the Gulf Coast and California and other places that have gone through lots of disasters have worked on for years. Are, are they listening? Are they hearing that message ahead of time? They are. We are seeing uh, very much a willing to, to be prepared and to listen. We've gotten much better at forecasting and being able to tell people where storms are coming. And so we just hope with this effort that we're launching, we can bring more resources to bear in those communities, but also more partners that can get engaged when disaster hits. Climate change and its related weather influences will affect us all. It is affecting us all. 
But how should we prepare now for what that could mean in the future? I would urge everyone to go to redcross.org, look at our information, get better prepared, make sure you have a plan. This is really important. You can also download the Red Cross app, which will tell you where emergencies are happening, but also where to find shelters and information like first aid and CPR information. You can also go to redcross.org and get engaged. You can sign up to be a volunteer. You can also make a financial donation. And lastly, but really importantly, you can learn how to donate blood. There is a national blood shortage right now. We have had a 25% reduction in blood on the shelves just in the last few weeks. Much of that due to severe weather we're seeing that's forcing us to cancel blood drives. So if you are able to and willing, I'd urge you to please go to redcross.org, sign up to make a blood appointment today. Your one donation can save up to three lives. Trevor Riggin is president of Humanitarian Services at the American Red Cross. Trevor, thanks so much for talking to us today. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. U.S. soccer announced Friday it's chosen Atlanta for its new headquarters and the first-ever National Training Center. State officials say the decision to relocate from Chicago signals Atlanta's emergence as a hub for American soccer. A $50 million contribution from Arthur Blank, owner of Atlanta United and the Atlanta Falcons, is funding its construction. The facility will serve as the hub for the league's 27 national teams, as well as extended teams, including the cerebral palsy, deaf, and power soccer national teams. That's it for The Brief. You can find more local news at WABE.org. Christopher Alston is our producer. Alex Helmick is our managing editor. I'm Jim Burris. Amplifying Atlanta, this is 90.1 WABE. The world has changed from shifts in power to a mental health crisis. So with all this social change, how do we balance the human desire for empathy, the business need for productivity, and the hope to make an impact in our community? This is a new podcast, The Social Impact Leader. I'm Jeff Schinnebarker. Join me as we explore people doing work a little different. Available every Wednesday at wabe.org forward slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. W-A-B-E. Ever wondered where to find the best dumplings in town? Curious about Atlanta's obsession with lemon pepper? Join us on Savory Stories, a new podcast as we uncover the untold tales behind Atlanta's culinary scene. From the roots of your favorite dishes to the creators that bring them to life, we're diving deep into the heart of the city's food culture. Listen to Savory Stories at wabe.org slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E.